0: It's a sweet presence of the Lord. Amen. 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 To me, I always am refreshed in that sweet presence. That sweet presence. You know, a lot of times, I think it's so true that we can get so blinded by our day-to-day activities, by our daily things that go on, a lot of times we neglect to see God's hand in our lives. Amen, right. Sometimes, you know, we want things to be a certain way, and God has a better plan for us. Amen. And we need the Holy Spirit to open our eyes to see what we're supposed to see. Amen? Amen. You can look, you know, in countless examples throughout the Bible. Of, you know, people thought it should be this way. It should be this way. It should be this way. I mean, look, look, at, um, look at Ruth. You know? Look at Naomi. Her life was destroyed. It wasn't supposed to turn out that way. My life is not supposed to be like this, Lord. And God had a plan for her. God had a plan for her. Because Ruth inserted herself in the lineage of Christ. Amen. Because of what happened to Naomi. Just an, a, a, a remarkable story. But it just goes to show you, you know, we think things should go a certain way, but God has a better plan. And God is sovereign. God's in control. So um, this morning, uh, we're going to begin in John chapter 14. This message is, um, it actually kind of goes along with that. Um, We're going to be talking about God's influence in your life. God's influence in your life. As we get into this message, I have uh, about three, maybe four or five passages I want to get to. But there's really three main points, and we're going to be going through this uh, this morning. But, um, you know, this message, I believe... There's a part of it for every person in here. So uh, as we go through this, we're going to pray right now, and then we're going to get started. Father God, we thank you for this opportunity to meet in this place. Lord, I thank you for our brothers and sisters who come out. Father, to worship you and to seek your face. Lord, I pray right now for your anointing to preach and teach this message as you desire. And Lord, we pray, Father, for the anointing, to hear what you're saying. Father, open our ears to what the Spirit is speaking. Father, I pray that the church would not hear me. Father, I pray that they would hear your voice through the Word of God. Lord, I pray that you would open our eyes, open our understanding. And Lord, those of us that need a lift, Father, I pray that you would be the lifter of our head. Those of us who need correction, Father, I pray for that gentle nudge back on the straight path. And Lord, those of us in our lives that we need deliverance, Father, I pray for a mighty work. Lord, I ask all this in the saving name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And everybody says, Amen. John chapter 14, beginning in verse number 15, is where we're going to start. So the Bible says in verse number 15, If ye love me, keep my commandments. This is one of the simpler verses in the Bible, but it's actually pretty profound. Saying earlier, a lot of people can say that they love God. A lot of people put the name of Christ on everything under the sun, as Martin Luther said. Just because you know somebody puts a cross on a pair of shoes, don't mean that they made it under the glory of God. Amen. And Leonard Ravenhill. He said, "It's easier to wear a cross than bear a cross. Amen. It's easier to say you love Christ than to die to self daily." Take up your own cross and go after Jesus. And never forget, that is the hallmark of Christianity. That you're willing to lay down who you are and become who God wants you to be. Crucified life. It's not about you. It's about God in you. Amen. Amen? Amen? Because we of ourselves will run the car into the ditch. But when God saves us, we become new creatures no longer bent to the passions of this life. People that are believers that are still bent to the passions of this life is what Paul calls a carnal Christian. Doesn't matter what you do, they're going to complain about it. They're going to do something. And so carnal Christianity is not how God intended it to be. Now what you see here is a charge. He says, if you love me, keep my commandments. We were on Wednesday night Bible study. We were talking just about this very same thing. His commandments, they they are hard, but God gives you the strength to keep them. You can't do it in your own strength. We were talking on Wednesday night about loving your enemy. Praying for those, right, that use you. Blessing them. How do you love your enemy when you hate them? You can't. You need a new heart. You need to get a vision from God about the situation. You need to get a new perspective. You need God to open your eyes. Then you will begin to love your enemy because it's not about you. It's about God. It's about God. And so always remember, God's never going to ask you to do something that He won't give you the strength to do it. He will ask you to take the step of faith, but He will give you the strength to love people that hate you. He will give you the ability to do it. Now, always remember, he said, you know, we always say, um, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, right? I will give you rest. But everybody forgets, take my yoke. Jesus said, take my yoke, for it's what? It's easy. It's light. It's easy. So there's a yoke that you have to take. It's not that you just get a, a, a get out of jail free card and you get to go on vacation the rest of your life. When you come to Christ, it's about taking up that cross and following after Him. But, He said, take my yoke is easy, right? He will bear you up. He will give you the ability to do all that He's called you to do. He's not going to ask you to do something and not give you the power to accomplish it. Amen. If you'll depend on Him, He will give you the ability to do it. So here you see, he says, if you love me, keep my commandments. And we know uh, that everybody, especially in the Bible Belt, says that they love God, right? Yeah. Everybody in the Bible Belt. You can go to anybody in the Bible Belt. Ah, I love God. I, I'll never forget when I moved to this, this city. This is the first town I ever inhabited whenever everybody told me they were married and they really weren't. This is my husband. This is my wife. And then you find out five years later, they're not husband and wife. They just live together. They're just boyfriend and girlfriend. But they call, you know, but people say anything. And people will tell you they love God. People will tell you that they're all about God. But do they keep his commandments? Do they go after him? Do they follow him? That's, you know, and Jesus, Jesus actually took this to a whole other level in Matthew chapter seven. He said, You'll know a tree by its what? Fruit. You'll know a tree by its fruit. If it calls itself a banana tree, that's great. That's wonderful. Call yourself a banana tree. But if apples come off of you, you're a liar. Amen. And so he says a good tree will produce good fruit and a bad tree will produce bad fruit. That's what Jesus said in Matthew 7. A good tree can't produce bad fruit and a bad tree can't produce good fruit. So if somebody says, I love God, I love God, I love God, but all that's coming off of them... Is bickering, murmuring, complaining, backbiting, faithlessness, doubt. Come on. Lying, murdering, fornicating, adultering. Come on, what kind of fruit's on the tree? So it's not about our words necessarily. What kind of fruit's on the tree? So he says, it's if you love me. He didn't say... Say you love me. You know, like you see some people, they're like, I just need to hear you say I love you. Say I love you. That's not what Jesus said. He said, if you love me, keep my commandments. Come after me. Take up your cross. Follow me. Quit worrying about you. Come after me. When we come to Jesus, we're supposed to lay down all about us. It's When you go to Him and and, and you live the crucified life, you don't get to take it back. You're supposed to be raised to new life. Not raised to yourself again. Self is supposed to go splat on the cross. But what we find, what we find oftentimes is people will say, I love God, I love God, but they're all about self. All about self. Everything's about me. I didn't like worship, it was five minutes too long. I didn't like worship, it was five minutes too short. I didn't like the sermon. it was two minutes too long. Well, it's not about you. Amen. It's about God. It's about what God wants to do, right? Amen. And, and, and look, that's throughout our life. And we always think, it's about us, it's about us, it's about us. But once you come to the cross and you begin to live a crucified life, brother, sister, it's not about you. It's about what God's doing in you. It's not about you, it's about what God's doing in you. And God wants to do more in you than you ever thought. God wants to use you in ways you never imagined. God wants to use you. God's given you a testimony. If you're on this side of the cross, God has done something for you. God has given you a testimony that's greater than creating the earth. It's bringing you from death to life in Jesus Christ. And God's given you a testimony. God's given you victory over your past. God's given you victory over a damnable future. God's given you victory in Jesus. He's given you a testimony. And if you'll follow God, God will do great things in you. Greater than you ever thought. Jesus said, greater works you'll do if you believe on Him. Right? right. So if you love Him, keep His commandments. A lot less talk and a lot more action. That's what Jesus said. You know, especially when you're talking to other believers, everybody is all that in a bag of chips. But are they godly? Don't take somebody's words. Are they godly? Are they merciful? Do they obey God? Are they gracious? Right? What's their character? What's their character? Is it godly character? If you love me, obey my commandments. Now let's follow this in. Next statement, verse number 16. And, so this is a continuation. If you love me, Keep my commandments and, 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 you know, in the Greek that means and. (laughs) And I will pray the Father and he shall give you another comforter that he may abide with you. Forever, Everybody say forever. 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 Now watch this. In this verse, you have all three people of the Godhead. You have the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. All in this one verse. This is kind of like whenever Jesus was baptized by John the Baptist. But Jesus said that he would pray to the Father, and the Father would give you another comforter. Another comforter is a is it it is a an an intriguing word because it implies that there's been a first comforter. Right? Amen. Jesus. He didn't say I'm gonna do something new and bring a comforter. He said I'm gonna give you another, another comforter. And you know, since we're getting all Greek, another means another. (laughs) Same as. Same as. Oh, we're gonna go to another one, another one. Yeah, this is another comforter. This word comforter, it, it is parakletos. This is the the definition is your guide, your intercessor, your helper, your comfort in your need. The one who sustains you and preserves you and protects you. This word, the comforter, is an exact representation of what Jesus was to his disciples. And to those that he was around. You see, when Jesus was around folks, he comforted them. He Paracletos them. You see whenever the blind guy came around Jesus Jesus comforted him and healed him when the lame man came around Jesus Jesus comforted him and healed him when the woman with issue of blood was around Jesus Jesus comforted her and healed her Jesus, whenever he's around someone, he comforts them. Think about Mary and Martha, whenever they lost uh, Lazarus and they thought he was gone, right? They thought he was dead, and Jesus knows what he's about to do. Jesus waits specifically, and he's coming to raise Lazarus from the dead, but he meets them along the way, and they're crying. And what does Jesus do? He weeps. Shortest verse in the Bible. Jesus wept. Shortest verse, but most profound. That Jesus identified with their suffering and comforted them by sharing in their tears and sharing in their sorrow. And if Jesus will comfort Mary or Martha, if Jesus will comfort the loved ones of Lazarus, guess what? He'll comfort you too. Amen. Praise God. If it makes him sad that they were sad, guess what? He's sad when you're sad too. see, we think, nobody knows, nobody cares, nobody, you know. Somebody does. And that somebody's greater than anybody that's ever lived. And the somebody that cares about you is the King of Kings, the Prince of Peace, the Lord of Lords, the Lamb of God. The one that cares about you is the one that made you. And when he sees the weeping and he sees the sorrow, he sorrows. The Bible says that you know he was touched with the feeling of our infirmities. He knows what it's like and he feels the pain that you feel. He's a comforter when you're broken. Oh. What about the prodigal father? The prodigal son's father. What about him? Was he just busy about his business while his son was out there in the pig pen? No. He was waiting on the porch, wasn't he? That's That's an image. It gives you an example of what God is like when one of his children become prodigals. God waits on the porch. Right? Not like this. Well, it's about time. (laughs) Or you again? Great. No. When that father saw that prodigal come down that road, my son. And he ran. The father ran. Right? He's a comforter. He knew, my son has come home. I'm coming to help him. I'm coming to put a ring on him. I'm coming to put a robe on him. We're going to have a celebration. My son is on. See, he's a comforter. He's a helper. He's a guide. He's a shelter from the storm. He preserves us and sustains us. Protects us. Lifts us up. When we're cast down, he's the one who lifts us up. When our soul is cast down within us, Winning the lottery won't help. Amen. The lifter of your head is not winning the lottery. Amen. Jesus will lift your head. When it's been broken, when, when, when your soul has been broken, He will lift you up and sustain you. Jesus said that He will give you another comforter. This is the Holy Spirit. But many people are too preoccupied with their own lives. Many people are too preoccupied with what's going on than with the comforter. It says that He will give you another comforter, so the same exact way, if you ever want to know the Holy Spirit's role in your life, look at Jesus' role in the life of the disciples. When they were hungry, what happened? They were fed. When they were thirsty, what happened? They drank. When the storm was rocking the boat, what happened? And and Jesus was a comforter to them. In actuality, the word means someone who comes along beside I'm going to be with you through thick and thin. I'm going to be with you in the fiery furnace. Hello. I'm going to be with you in the lion's den. I'm going to be with you when you're in sorrow. When the sorrows billow over your soul and it feels like waves drowning you in grief and sorrow, I'll be with you. I'll sustain you. I will raise you up in due season. You see, another comforter, if you ever want to know, you just look back at the life of Jesus. Just the way that Jesus comforted them, protected them, sustained them, preserved them, the Holy Spirit, His influence is the same for you. I've been saying this, the Holy Spirit, He did not come so that you can do jumping jacks and cartwheels in church. Although there's nothing wrong with getting excited and doing that. But the purpose of the Holy Spirit is to testify about Jesus and to come along beside you in the way. To preserve you, sustain you, lift you up, renew you. Amen. Amen? Amen? Now watch this. In verse number 16, it says, He shall give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever. Abide with you forever shows that when the Holy Spirit is given to an individual, He intends to go with you like Jesus said, even unto the end of the earth. Praise God. This is why God said, I will never leave you. You know in Hebrews 13, right? God said, I will never leave you and I'll never forsake you. But look, God's on the throne. Jesus in heaven. It's the Holy Spirit who has come to earth to dwell with you and me. To never leave you or forsake you. To constantly abide with you. To come along beside you, sustain you, point you back in the right direction. Give you the grace that you need to get through that trial. Give you the strength you need to press on and keep stepping forward. Give you the peace that you need when you're in the middle of a storm. Preserve your life when you're in the middle of a fire. That's the role of the Holy Spirit. It's his influence in your life. Are you out there battling on your own? You trying to, you know, wave your fist in the air? Never forget, we're in a spiritual battle. The the war is spiritual. It's not carnal. You can swing your fist all day long, but it's never has and it never will be a physical war. It's a spiritual battle. And you've got to wage war spiritually. And your victory has come spiritually. And your strength comes spiritually. And your comfort comes spiritually. See, nothing else makes sense. When, 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 when we are cast down and everything has come against us, but God sustains us, it makes no sense. Look at the early church, persecuted, martyred, beaten, and yet there was a joy about them because they were serving God. History tells us that Peter was crucified upside down, and as he went to the cross, he was singing hymns. All throughout history were littered. Look in Fox's Book of Martyrs. Examples of great men and women of God who gave God glory on the way to a fiery death. Think about American Christianity. Hold up, I read this book called My Best Life Now, and here I am getting set on fire. This does not jive with that book because it's a spiritual thing. It's a spiritual thing. Spiritual book, spiritually discerned, spiritual battle. It's not by flesh, it's by the Spirit. It's about the Spirit. Now watch this. He said that I would abide with you forever. Abide means with you, with you. Abide means you're not alone, even though you feel it. Abide means when the enemy tells you you're all alone and there's nobody else in the house, he's still lying to you because the Holy Spirit here in this verse, you can grab it and say, no, 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 no. The Comforter said he's abiding with me. Amen. Yes. But you see, between your ears where that battle is is waged, between your ears when the enemy tells you you're all alone, nobody cares, nobody's called you, nobody's written you a letter, nobody sent you cards, flowers, candies, gifts, nobody's prompted you to come to church. They, they always ask everybody else to come to church. They never ask me. But you know, when you know God's with us, people don't have to do that. Because God will do it because God will be with you. God will be with you when you're alone. God will be with you when you lie down. God will be with you when you rise up. God will be with you when you're crying. God will be with you when you come down to the bottom. And God will be with you as you come back up again. God will not leave you. He will abide with you. It's not about how you feel. It's about what God has said. You have to come to a point in your life when you say, you know what? Let man be a liar. Let God be true and every man a liar. I don't care how I feel. I don't care what the situation looks like. I don't care how much it's overwhelming me. That book right there said that God would abide with me forever. And I'm standing on the promises of God. Amen? Amen. It's not about how I feel. If you're moved by feelings, you're going to be wishy-washy all your life. You've got to come to a point in time where you no longer allow your, your life to be moved by how you feel. Well, we say, Jeremiah 17, it says that your heart is deceitfully wicked. It will trick you. It will lie to you. It will get you to hate people that love you. It will get you to be, they didn't say anything to me. Your heart will mess with your mind. And you've got to get to a point in your life where you no longer allow your feelings to dictate your faith. You've got to get to a point where God's Word dictates your faith. You can't put faith in something God didn't say. Got to wait till you get a promise from God. Then you can stand on it. No matter what happens, come wind, rain, sun, whatever. If God said it, I'm standing on it. Amen. I don't care if the whole world comes against me and I lose everything. Look at the life of Job. Job stood on God's promise. Yes, amen. And when everything went wrong in his life, and if you don't think it was, go read it again. Everything went wrong in his life, but he trusted not what he felt and not what he saw. He trusted what he knew according to God. Amen. His faith trumped his feelings. And if there's one thing that I would say characterizes American Christianity, it is that they are moved by feelings and not by faith. I feel the Holy Spirit when the spotlights and the smoke machines rise. It's not the Holy Spirit. I feel the Holy Spirit when the speakers are rattling the building. It's not the Holy Spirit. What is the Holy Spirit? The one who abides with you? The comforter. right? So the comforter, of the Holy Spirit is who we're talking about this morning, and, 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 and look at this passage in verse number 17. It says, "Even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, this is talking about the Holy Spirit, your comforter, everybody say, "My comforter. OK? your comforter, the world cannot receive." Well, I'm just waiting for the whole world to get on fire for God. you can be waiting a while. Because yeah. Jesus said, wide is the path to destruction. Many go that way. Narrow is the path to God. Few there be that find it. You see, this passage here, uh, look, look what it says. The world cannot receive the Holy Spirit. "...because it seizing not, neither knoweth him. But you know him, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you." Now, this we're looking at before the cross. Your, your uh, $2 word of the day is dispensation or church age. Okay, when Jesus is telling the disciples this, he's telling them pre-crucifixion. It was on the cross when he said it's finished, Right? And then on Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came to the church and then indwelled them. Amen? Amen. It was no longer dwelling around them, but He came in them. And in the life of a believer today, if you name the name of Christ, if God has saved you, the Holy Spirit has indwelt you. You have the witness of the Holy Spirit when you call on and believe the Lord Jesus Christ. And this is what He's talking about. He said He will be in you. In you, Now, the only way the Holy Spirit, uh, you know, comes in you is when you're born again, when you're saved. This is what I call the witness of the Holy Spirit. The witness of the Holy Spirit is your knower. You know that you know that you know. Don't let somebody tell you that you're saved until you have the Holy Spirit. Amen? Amen? Don't let somebody tell you anything. I always tell people, you keep praying until God bears witness with your soul. Because there's many people that came down to an altar, repeat after me, one, two, three, done deal. Evangelist gets a notch on the belt, but the person isn't saved. It happens. False converts, what the Bible calls it. False brethren. False brethren. And, 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 and a lot of times people will go to church and still not be saved I remember listening to um, um, I think it was Leonard Ravenhill he said that you know, he was ministering at a, at a church and the pastor's wife got saved how about that pastor's wife got saved I know another guy a preacher came to their church The youth pastor got saved No, another guy, I won't say who, the pastor got saved. How is that possible? They lied to themselves. They went through the motions. They didn't have a reality. They didn't have the inner witness of the Holy Spirit. Don't you think that the enemy wants to trick people? Amen. You need the inner witness of the Holy Spirit. You need His abiding presence. You need to ask the Lord. Right? Now listen. Watch this. In, in, in this next verse. Well, let me, let me just say this on verse number 17. The Holy Spirit is called the Spirit of Truth. Truth comes by the Word of God. Jesus said that you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. The truth is Jesus and the truth is the Word of God. Right? Amen. The truth is the Word of God. Truth it, it trumps facts. Come on. Truth trumps facts. What God has said is true no matter what the fact of the situation is. Amen. Yes. God said it, I believe it, right? Amen. No matter what the situation says. So my bank account may say negative a thousand, but God said He's my provider. Amen. So which one's true? Am I going to starve to death or is God going to provide? Do I believe the truth or do I believe the fact? I believe the truth, right? But he says the spirit of truth. This is what the Holy Spirit is called, the spirit of truth. The spirit of truth means that the Holy Spirit is only going to say what the Word of God says. I heard a minister say the, the Holy Spirit is submissive to the Word of God. And that would be some great advice to hold on to. The Holy Spirit will never do something that contradicts the Word of God. Right? I just feel the Holy Spirit told me to leave my wife and go, you know, with the uh, organ player. <laughs> what in the Holy Spirit? Sure. The Holy Spirit is submissive to the Word of God. Amen. The Holy Spirit will never lead you to, to do anything that will contradict God's Word or God's nature. Amen? Just. Amen. So He's called the Spirit of Truth. Because that's what He is, and He always bears witness to the truth. This is why it's so important to know the Word of God. This is why it's so important to be acquainted with the Word of God, because the Word of God helps you to see. It's a lamp for your feet and a light for your path. Without it, you're blind, running into ditches. Watch this verse. He said that the Holy Spirit, uh, he dwells with you and he shall be in you. In verse number 18, I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. Now this is what Jesus is telling his disciples right before he's delivered to go up to the cross. Amen? Amen. How many of you think that when Jesus was on the cross, they felt abandoned? Right? I mean, Peter's the one who said, you are the Son of God. You're the Messiah. The Messiah is supposed to be the one who rules and reigns, that takes over Israel. And yet here He is on the cross. The the word here, He said, I will not leave you comfortless, Implies that they were going to be comfortless for a little while. What does that word mean? Comfortless? Because the Holy Spirit's called a comforter. But Jesus said, I won't leave you comfortless. You know what that word means? An orphan. An orphan. Abandoned. I will not leave you without. Me. I will not leave you without guidance. I will not leave you to be alone by yourself. I will not leave you comfortless. You will not be out there on your own, even if you feel like it. Even if you feel like nobody cares, even if you feel like nobody understands, even if you feel like you don't know which way to turn, you don't know what to do, God said, I will not leave you comfortless. You are not an orphan if you're born again. Amen. You are not an orphan of God. You're adopted by God. You're not alone. Quit letting the the enemy lie to you and tell you that you're all alone. You're not orphaned. You're adopted into the family of God by the blood of Jesus Christ. Don't ever let the enemy take from you what God has given you. You belong to the family of God and He is your comforter and He will never leave you and He will never forsake you. Quit letting the enemy lie to you. He said, I don't want to leave you comfortless. you're not going to be an orphan. If God tells you you're not going to be an orphan, guess what? You're not going to be an orphan. Somebody might tell you, I'll never leave you. I'll always be there for you, but guess what there might be times that you call that they don't answer, Amen. but God said it's not that way with me. That's right. God said you're not going to be comfortless, but what happens when I feel it? Well, you come to it, you come to a a why a in the road when you feel like you're abandoned, when you feel like you're orphaned, when you feel like you're all alone, you come to a fork in the road and you have to choose whether you believe what God has said or whether you believe your feelings. The choice is yours. God said, I present before you blessings and curses, right? Life and death. Which one are you going to choose? You get to choose. Amen. And you can choose to waller in your feelings or stand in your faith. God. God gives you The ability to choose. Which one do you want to do? Now, it gets. We're going to. I want to develop this thought just a little bit more. You're going to choose feelings or faith. We're going to develop this a little bit more because, see, there was a time. There was a time when God presented himself to Israel as a comforter, as a guide. Whatever they left. Whenever they left Egypt, God came to them in, in, in a pillar of fire, a pillar of cloud. Amen? Amen? Watch this. I want to show you what I'm talking about. We'll, we'll begin. Let's begin over there in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 9. First Corinthians chapter 10 verse 9. <clears throat> we're gonna start here and work our way backwards. But we we're, we're gonna end right here. Well look at verse number one. Chapter 10, verse 1. Moreover, brethren, I would not that you should be ignorant. You know what ignorant is, right? It just means you don't know. Okay? Would not that you should be ignorant how that all our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea and were all baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea. This cloud is the protection that God had for the nation of Israel when they came out of Egypt. This cloud is Christ. This cloud is Christ. Look at verse number 9. It said, "Neither let us tempt Christ, as some of them also tempted." Now, watch this. The cloud that we're talking about is Jesus in a pre-incarnate form. He was the Comforter. Okay, Amen. Amen. Okay. Now we're gonna we're gonna I want to show you this from two different passages. I just got to get that down. Um, let's go over to Exodus chapter thirteen. Genesis, Exodus, chapter 13, and verse number 21. Over here is where you get the story of Israel coming out of Egypt. And when Israel is coming out of Egypt, they need help. Because they're about to go into the desert. Amen? And whenever you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, you come out of Egypt as a type of sin and bondage... And when you come out of Egypt and you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, you need God's help too. You don't know it all, you don't have it all together, and you don't know how to get there. You need a map. Mm -hmm. You need a comforter. You need a helper. And so here, um, as Egypt is, is letting go and Israel is coming forth, look what it says in verse number 21. It says, The Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead them the way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light to go by day and night. He took not away the pillar of cloud by day, nor the pillar of fire by night from before the people. And, and, and if you know much about uh, the history of the nation of Israel, do you remember what happened whenever, um, whenever Solomon uh, finished the temple of God? You remember what came and inhabited the holy of holies? The cloud, the same cloud. It represents the presence of God. God was abiding there in the holy of holies by this cloud. That cloud represents Christ. And as you believe on God, that's His abiding with you all the time. But here you see there's two distinct rules that God, the Comforter, the one that never left them, played. One, He's a cloud by day. Two, He's fire by night. What does this represent in our lives? The Holy, this is a representation of the Holy Spirit comforting you, the Comforter. This is a representation of the Holy Spirit. You can just see it right there. What is the cloud by day? Well, when you're in a desert, it's nice to have a cloud. The cloud represents that He sustains you in the heat of the day or in the heat of the battle. When you're parched and dry and withered and about to give up, the cloud is there to bring refreshing. Amen? A lot of scholars believe that this cloud actually rained because one of, the, uh, one of the verses in 1 Corinthians 10 says that they were all baptized through that cloud, baptized unto Moses. Well, what they say is that that cloud had a continual, um, a continual moisture in the air, kept them from drying out. Kept them sustained. Kept their life source, their life strength. As the cloud would go, if that's where, just think about, if there was a, you know, a continual mist in that cloud, when the cloud stopped, do you think everybody would keep going? But they know, you know, when the cloud stops, I'm going to stop. But if the cloud goes, I'm not going to stay here because I'll, be, I'll get dried out in the sun. I'm going to go where the cloud goes. Right, And it says that he gave them the cloud to lead them the way. And if you notice, whenever they came out of Egypt, they didn't go in the shortest possible route. And if you think that's a mistake, Moses is the one that came to get them. Moses came from Midian over there to get them. Moses went the shortest route from Midian to Egypt. But then he took them the long way home. Why? He wasn't directing. God was. He wasn't saying, hmm, let's see, which way the wind's blowing, which way are we going to go? He wasn't doing that. The cloud was leading them. God, listen to this, some of you need to hear this, God was leading them, orchestrating every turn they went. God was guiding them over hills and through valleys. God was guiding them around certain dangers, but bringing them into certain places. God was the one who led them the way and the same way the Holy Spirit does that for the believer. The Holy Spirit is the one who comforts us, comes along beside us, and leads us the way. is the Spirit of God that goes before us and leads us. And the Holy Spirit... Will never leave you. It said it will abide with you forever. Amen? That's why David said in Psalm 23. That's why David said in Psalm 23. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. You're abiding with me. You may lead me into the valley of sorrow. You may lead me into the valley of abandonment. You may lead me into the valley of decision. But I will fear no evil. Because you're abiding with me. Your word says that you will never leave me. Your word says you will abide with me forever. And I know whether I go through a valley, whether I go over a mountain, whether I go through a storm, whether I go through a good season, bad season, whether I come up against a wall that I can't overcome, I know in all things God's with me. Amen. Even when I don't feel it, Because I come to a place where I no longer allow my feelings to dictate my faith. I come to a place where I say, you know what, that's what the Word says and that's what I'm going to believe. That's what I'm going to stand on. That's what I'm going to rest in. That's what I'm going to trust. That's called standing on the promises of God. And every single one of us in here today, we have to make those same choices. Whether we're going to allow how we feel move us. I got news for you. If you allow yourself to get moved by how you feel, the enemy has you in the palm of his hand. Because he will make you rise up and bring you down. He will mess with you like a yo-yo. You'll wake up one day on fire for God because you feel God. The next day, am I saved? He will yo-yo you. You have to come to a place where you're not moved by feelings. I heard a pastor tell me when I started preaching. He said, look, when when they tell you that that was the best sermon they ever heard, shrug it off. Because next week they're going to tell you that was the worst sermon they ever heard and you're going to need to shrug that one off too. You hear me? When somebody pats you on the back, okay, that's fine. It's great that they did it, but it's more important what God says to you. Because there's going to be a day when somebody doesn't pat you on the back. And in that day, you're going to need to be moved by, by the fact of what God said and not the feeling of what's going on in the situation. Now, this is where it gets good. You see, not only is God the cloud by day, but He's the fire by night, the fire at night gives them, an, not only it protects them, it keeps them warm, but it gives them an ability to see in the darkness. And some of you in here tonight have not been uh, abiding in Christ. The Holy Spirit's not been working in your life like, you, like He should be, and you are blinded to what God is doing. The Word of God is supposed to be a lamp for your feet and a light for your path. Not how you feel. Not how people treat you. Not how you think things should go. The Word of God is supposed to be your fire by night. At nighttime, you cannot see except for what the fire shows. And in life, we as believers have a responsibility to God to not be moved by anything we see except what God's Word says. Amen. It's not just a bumper sticker, it's a reality. God's Word is a lamp for your feet and a light for your path. Amen. Psalm 119, right? 105. God's word should be what illuminates and gives you an understanding of what's going on. God's word should be the final authority in your life. Amen? Amen. See, so he not only protects you in the day, he protects you at night, but he gives you the ability to see. Some of you in here have lost the ability to see in the spirit. Some of you in here have lost the ability to see what God's doing in your life. You've lost the ability to see because you've depended on the world. You've depended on what you see, taste, feel, and think. And you are no longer dependent on what God has said like you used to be. And when you do that, you can't see. You can only see through the fire. At night. Amen? Amen. Now, there's a problem. There's a problem with our story. There's a problem with the direction that I'm going. And I want to show you this problem. It's in Numbers chapter number twenty one. In, in Numbers chapter 21, we find ourselves in a predicament. And most of you that have walked long with God, you know that oftentimes we find ourselves in a predicament. What kind of predicament are we talking about? Well, sooner or later, the glass slipper is going to fall off. Sooner or later, somebody's going to show their tail. Sooner or later, somebody's going to let you down and do you wrong. Sooner or later, things aren't going to work out the way that you thought they should. Are you with me? And this happened for the nation of Israel. They prayed, Lord, get us out of Egypt. 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 And God got them out of Egypt, got them out there in the desert, and they said, Lord, take us back. Lord, take us back. We had better food there than here. You see, sometimes it's not the way you want it to be. And in that moment, you have a choice of whether you're going to trust God or not. If God brought you to it, God will bring you through it. And if God brought you into the desert, guess what? He's going to get you out of it Amen. if you'll just trust Him. Right. But if you complain and get bitter and get carnal, guess what? You might die in the desert. Amen. True. A whole generation save two did. Mm-hmm. Joshua and Caleb. A whole generation. Why? Complaining. Not trusting God. Look, I don't know where you're at, but if God brought you to where you're at, God will bring you through it. Amen. It didn't take God by surprise that you're in the situation you're in. God's not caught unaware that you may not have a job. God's not caught unaware if somebody leaves you. God knows what He brought you to. And God will give you the ability to get through it. If you'll trust God. If you'll trust God. Will you trust God? Will you trust His abiding presence? Will you believe what His Word says above what your eyes see and your heart feels? Will you? Look what happens here in in, in Numbers chapter number 21 in verse number 4. It says they journeyed from Mount Hor by the way of the Red Sea to compass the land of Edom. Now, before we go further, it says they journeyed. Do you remember what we read in Exodus? Who was leading them? Who was leading the journey? The pillar of cloud, right? The pillar of cloud, the Holy Spirit, Christ, it says in 1 Corinthians. They weren't going on their own. Their journey was not, hmm, how does the map go? Should we turn it this way? Which way? How do we go? They were being led by a physical, with their eyes seeing, cloud. I say, if, I, if the Holy Spirit presented itself that way, I know He's with me. Well, He said He's with you. Is that not enough? Amen. He said it. But look, the reality of the situation, and, 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 and the Bible tells us that what happened in the Old Testament is types and shadows so that we can understand how God works in our lives. And, and what happened is they come out, the Holy Spirit, this pillar of cloud, is leading them in their journey. If the Holy Spirit presented itself as a cloud in your life today, and He took you a different way home than normal, would you complain? Well, this is not the shortest way home. You know how you go home, right? When you get in your car. What if the Holy Spirit uh, appeared as a cloud above your car? And you were turning left because that's the way it's the shortest way, but the cloud went to the right. Would you go the shortest way or would you follow the cloud? Follow the cloud, away from laser. You would follow the cloud, right? Amen. Well, He does that in your life. Whether you're paying attention or not. If you're moved by carnal things, you're not paying attention. But look, they journeyed along the way, and watch what it says. They journeyed from Mount Hor by the way of the Red Sea to compass the land of Edom and the soul of the people. It's not just a frown. It's the soul of the people. You know, when your soul gets messed up, you can see it in somebody's eyes, right? Right? In the eye, the window of the soul? You can see it in their eyes. And if your soul is messed up, you can, you can put lipstick on the pig. But it still ain't right. Right? You can put on the religious mask and smile. How's you? How are you this Sunday morning? I am blessed. I am the head and not the tail. I'm above. I'm walking over all my circle. You can say it. You can put lipstick on it. But it don't make it a reality. Because if your soul is messed up, it'll come through. Watch what happened though. It says, the soul of the people was much discouraged because of the way. Who is leading this cloud? This is not the way it's supposed to go. I wanted to go that way. I wanted to be a deacon. I wanted to be the organ player. I wanted to do this. This is not how it's supposed to go. Somebody got the promotion. And I didn't. This isn't how it's supposed to go. Didn't God word Didn't God word? It says that promotion comes not from what? The East or West, but promotion comes from God. If God's put you in a situation, God put you in it. If, if, if you lost your job, guess what? God's hand was in that, because God's bringing you somewhere else. If you got a job, guess what? You didn't do it. God did. God's the one that brings promotion. God's the one that brings you to certain things. And here they are much discouraged because of the way that the pillar of cloud is leading them. Going back to my example, if you're about to turn to the left, but the cloud turns to the right, you would say, oh, the Holy Spirit has a different way. Must be an accident headed for me that way. I better go this way. Right? Right? But if you're, if you're moved by feelings, you don't think about it like that. You know what happened? This is not the first time that this happened to Israel. In fact, there were several times whenever they were thirsty in the desert and they would complain, we're going to die of thirst. And God told Moses, hit the rock with the staff. Water comes forth, right? We're about to starve. God says, you know what? I'm going to send you manna. Then when manna wasn't good enough, we're going to starve. All we got is manna. I'm going to send you quail. Till they didn't want it anymore. But sometimes, some people will always find fault with something. Are you a fault finder Christian? Some people will constantly find fault with everything. I know because I've been there. Well, I can't believe that they did this. I can't believe that they did that. When did they start doing that? That's a dumb idea. I I would have done it this way. You see, they were constantly finding fault. And if you're constantly finding fault, it reveals that you're not led by the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God is not a fault finder. He's a truth revealer. Not a fault finder. He's a truth revealer. You know how many people say, I'm this, I'm that, I'm this, I'm that. And then all the time, all they are are fault finders. You know what I mean, right? Find something to complain about. It's too hot. If it was me, I would have bumped the air down. It's too cold. If it was me, I would have bumped the air up. Fall finders will find fault with anything. How many of you have ever been around a fall finder? You know somebody that you can never do anything right? Amen. Don't, if, don't look to your left or right. <laughs> but if you've ever been around a fall finder, you can never do anything right. Because they're moved by feelings. They're not moved by the Spirit of God. That's the the difference. But what, what happened is God finally got fed up with them. And listen to this. God finally got fed up with them and God sent fiery serpents. And the fiery serpents bit them and they died. How would you like that? Here's a word of warning. If you allow your feelings to dictate how you walk, you might get bit by a serpent. Maybe not a a fiery one in the desert, but you might end up doing things that you don't want to do. You might end up going down a road you never wanted to go down simply because you stopped trusting God. Simply because you stopped trusting God. God. Now follow back with me uh, to, to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. And we're going to we're going to close right here in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Right here you 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 have the whole history of their complaining in the desert. Which is amazing. I mean, we think, well, if God, you know, did that for me, I wouldn't complain. You don't know till you're in those shoes. Amen. You don't know what you would do. Don't speak presumptuously. Amen. Just trust God. Don't speak presumptuously. But what happened was... They failed test after test after test. Trial after trial after trial, they failed. And you might be in a spot right now where you keep failing trials. You keep failing trials. Some of you might here right now, you might be so wrapped up in your flesh, you don't even remember what the Holy Spirit felt like, much less how to follow the Holy Spirit. And and, and that needs to change today. That needs to change today. It comes to a point in time where you've got to make a choice that you're going to choose to no longer allow your feelings to dictate your life. You've got to choose to allow the Word of God to dictate your life that the Word of God would be that lamp for your feet and a light for your path. Now watch this in verse number 9. He says, Neither let us tempt Christ which is represented by the pillar of cloud in verse 1 and 2. Okay, Neither let us tempt Christ as some of them also tempted and were destroyed of serpents. So now you know context-wise, context, context, context. Now you know context-wise I brought you to the right place. Because right after, in Numbers 21, verse 4, right after that, that's where the fiery serpents pop up that destroyed them. Okay? It's because of that. Watch verse number 10. Neither murmur ye, as some of them also murmured, and were destroyed of the destroyer. You know what a murmurer is? A a, a murmurer is a complainer. And some people have not a murmur, but a murmuring spirit that they need to get set free from. Some people murmured under Jesus' ministry. And if they murmured under His ministry, guess what? They'll murmur under any ministry. It's always been a problem with God's people. Because some people have always have and always will be moved by the flesh and not by the Word of God. Some people will always be up or down based on how they feel. And then there's other people who are standing on the promises of God. Rock of Ages. Cleft for me. Let me hide myself in thee. Some people are are standing on the rock of ages, standing on the promises of God, secure in who we are in Christ. And other people are moved by every wind that our flesh blows. Somebody parked in my parking spot. I knew they didn't like me. Pastor probably told him to park there. I know it because he didn't say hi to me last Wednesday. And he sent him out there to park in my parking spot. I knew it. You see, going down those kinds of roads, and I'm just making a silly example But murmuring will take you into places you don't want to go, cause you to think thoughts you don't want to think. And eventually, if you allow yourself to think those things, it'll take root in your heart and you'll begin to flesh it out. That's why, you know, you've, you've got to get planted on the Word of God. You're either going to be planted on the Word of God or you're going to be like, you know, one of my pastor friends said. He said people uh, blow in the door, they blow up, and then they blow out. Blow in, blow up, and blow out. But then there's other people who anchor themselves on the Word of God. And when you are anchored on the Word of God, when the storms come and the rain descends, like it says in Matthew 7, And when the storm comes and the rain descends, guess what's going to happen? The house is going to stand. Because you're built on the rock. But if you're not built on the rock, when the storm comes, when the rain begins to fall, you're going to run for the hills. You're going to walk away from God. If, if you allow yourself to be moved by the flesh and not by the Word of God, there's going to come a time when you get to the point where you say, well, forget it. You don't go from standing on the promises of God to saying, well, well forget it by anything else than, a, than being moved by your feelings and not by your faith in the Word of God. Word of God has to be the lamp for your feet. This morning, in closing, this morning, there is a lamp in your life. It is either how you feel, how people treat you, what people think about you. That can be a lamp for your feet and it will take you to destruction. How you feel. How people treat you and how you think about people. That can be a lamp. People tell you you're the best thing since sliced bread. You believe it. And then when they say, I hated sliced bread. Then you go, oh. People are like that. You. Ye- there, you're moved today, right now. There's a lamp for your life. It's either how you feel or it's this book right here. The Word of God. In Psalm 119, it says that the Word of God is a lamp for our feet. But you know what? That verse is true whether you walk it out or not. See, the, the, the Israelites in the desert... The Word was still a lamp for their feet. It was still a light for their path. They still had the pillar of cloud by day and fire by night. God was still illuminating the path. But yet, but yet, they allowed their feelings to trump God. And if you want to go that route, God gives you the ability to choose. You want to choose feeling over faith, God will let you. You want to choose curse over blessing? God will let you. You want to choose death over life? God will let you. God gives you the choice. God gives you the ability to choose. And I'm telling you this morning, on the authority of God's Word, choose life. Choose to allow the Spirit of God to lead you. Choose to allow God to guide your life. Choose to stand on the firm foundation of God's Word and not how you feel and not how people think about you. God has a plan and a purpose for your life. But if you allow your feelings to dictate your life, you will not fulfill what God has. As He said in John 14, you won't even see it. Thy Word, O Lord, is a lamp for my feet, a light for my path. This morning, is God speaking to you? Is God reminding you? You're living like an orphan, but you're not one. You're living like God's not with you.